the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Okay, and then John 14, verses 1 through 17. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak in my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Amen. Thank you, Cindy. And you can be seated. I invite you to keep your Bible open to John 14. You should go like this. Can you do that? You're going to pat yourself on the back. Because you showed up today. I mean, in spite of springing ahead. I always think, this is a terrible time. We lose an hour of sleep. But you guys made it. So, congratulations. PFC. PFC. You know what that means. Problems. Problems frustrations, 
and concerns. We all have them. Every once in a while at staff meeting, you know, I might have on the agenda PFCs. You know, just so if anybody has an issue or a problem or a frustration or a concern, we can talk about it and pray about it. Problems, frustrations, and concerns. Trouble, trials. You know, what are your problems, frustrations, and concerns? Everybody has them. You know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, school shootings. Uh, Death. Doubt, depression, divorce. Addictions, fears, failures, shame, guilt, broken bones, broken relationships, broken hearts, volcanoes, earthquakes, floods, the economy, COVID-19, terrorism, the borders, sickness, job loss. I mean, the list could go on and on. All these spell trouble with a capital T. And Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. It's like an act of your will. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Heart trouble, not trouble that can be corrected with a glycerin pill under your tongue or a surgical performance. I'm referring to what could be called a troubled heart. Does God have a treatment for troubled hearts? A while back, When Ann Landers was alive, she would get over 10,000 letters a month. And you know what the number one problem is that people write about? She said, I get more mail concerning this one problem than any other problem. Do you know what it is? Fear. I mean, no wonder why the phrase fear not is in Scripture so many times. The dictionary lists about 700 different kinds of phobias, (laughs) beginning with A and ending with Z, like Acrophobia, it's a fear of high places. Uh, Claustrophobia, I think I got that. Claustrophobia, fear of closed places. Theophobia, a fear of God. I suppose the worst fear of all is phobophobia. You know, people are afraid they're going to be afraid, and so they constantly stay afraid because they're afraid they're going to be afraid. It's kind of like a catch-22. About three years ago, I asked our confirmation class to list their greatest fears, and here's their list. Suffocating, burning, drowning, parents dying, getting raped, being lonely, the future, the unknown, cancer, losing friends, losing family, failing. I think all these things create within us a troubled heart. And we could lump them all into three categories, couldn't we? Like, death is near, that's number one, which produces fear. Uh, Number two, daily problems, which produce frustration. And number three, disobedience, which produces failure. It's exactly what the disciples were going through when Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled, in John chapter 14, verse 1. Think about it, death is near. Jesus just told them that he was going to die in John chapter 13. Their hearts were troubled. I'll tell you what, if you really love someone, you cannot be indifferent if death is at their doorstep, if death is haunting their steps. That brings trouble. Daily problems. Jesus said, hey, I'm going away. You guys are going to stay. 
The disciples were troubled. I mean, how are we going to go on, Jesus? You've been our stability, daily problems. People who go through a divorce say more than any other pain is the pain of rejection. It's the pain of desertion. Death, daily problems. What about disobedience? Jesus said to Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And that caused Peter to have a troubled heart. Perhaps you failed in some area to live according to the biblical standard. You know it, but you haven't produced. And maybe you've gotten mixed up in some kind of nasty moral situation. And you're living in the throes of that right now. Troubled hearts weighed down shame and guilt. Death produces fear. Daily problems produce frustration. And disobedience produces failure. In short, a troubled heart. And I want to tell you today that God has a treatment for your troubled heart. Dr. Jesus said in John 14, 1, don't let your hearts be troubled. And Dr. Jesus also said in John 14, 27, don't let your hearts be troubled. And sandwiched between those two identical statements are four tablets of truth that we need to swallow in order to get well. Actually, there's a whole jar full. But we're just going to look at four tablets of truth for a troubled heart. So don't forget to take your pills today, okay? Pill number one, tablet number one. First and foremost, a personal faith in a personal God will bring personal relief. In other words, do you know Jesus? Not just about him, but do you know him? Is he in your life? Is he in your heart? A personal faith and a personal Lord will bring personal relief. Look at verse 1 and 2. They're commands. Trust in God. It's a command. Trust also in me. It's a command. Trust means believe. Trust means to put your weight on. Trust means to rely upon. Jesus told those disciples with their long faces, men, believe in me. You've trusted the Lord for eternal life. Trust him for temporal life. You've counted on me for your eternal security. Count on me for your daily needs. A personal faith in a personal Lord brings personal relief. And that's the first tablet of truth. In other words, God is real. He's real. God is personal. He loves you. He's a good, good, good father that we often sing about here in the praise band, right? He's a good father. There was a little girl walking through the hallway of her home, and she came to a place where they had a cellar door in the floor that went down into the basement, and it was one of those doors that uh, went back on a hinge, and there was just this dark hole in the floor, and no light was on in the basement, but she heard a noise, uh, a noise down there, and so the little girl said, say, who's down there? And her daddy said, well, it's me, your daddy. She said, well, I want to come down there where you are. And he said, well, I've taken a ladder way, but... He said, if you'll just jump, you know, I'll catch you. Well, he could see her because she was up in the light, but she couldn't see him down there in the darkness. And she said, but Daddy, I can't see you. And he said, that's all right. I can see you. You Just go ahead and jump. But she said, Daddy, I'm afraid. And he said, now, wait a minute, sweetheart. I want to ask you some questions. Do you believe that I'm down here? And she said, of course. I'm talking to you. He said, all right. Do you believe I'm strong enough to catch you? She said, Daddy, I know you're strong enough to catch me. He said, all right. Well, do you believe that I love you? Well, Daddy, I know that you love me. All right. Now, let me ask you one more question. Have I ever told you a lie? No, Daddy. You've never lied to me. 
All right, well, if you know I'm here, and if you know I love you, and if you know I'm strong enough to catch you, and if you know I've never told you a lie, then jump. She said, okay, Daddy, here I come. And she just stepped off into that black hole, and of course her daddy let her fall out, crack her head on the cement floor. No, he didn't. He caught her, and he gave her a little hug and set her down. And for that little girl, it was not a leap into the dark. It was a step right into the light. She was safe in the arms of her father. Jesus says, Dr. Jesus says, trust in God. He says, trust also in me. A personal faith in a personal Lord will bring personal relief. It's kind of like uh, the old hymn, Safe in the Arms of Jesus. That's tablet number one. A personal faith in a personal Lord will bring personal relief. The second tablet of truth is found in verses two and three. And just let me reread those, the ones that Cindy just read. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. So here's the principle. While preparing a place for us, God is preparing us for a place. While preparing a place for us, God is preparing us for a place. Two construction projects are going on here. Not only is Jesus building heaven, he's building you, child of God, if you're a child of God. And believe it or not, God will use trials, won't he? He'll use troubles as like a hammer and a chisel to perfect you and to prepare you for that wonderful place called heaven. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have what? You're going to have trouble. John 16, 33. Memorize that. That's a promise from Jesus. In this world, you will have trouble with a capital T. Ah, but there is a place that Jesus is preparing because this world ain't it. Excuse my language. This world is not my home. We could become greatly depressed. This world is nothing compared to what God has in store for those who love him. Like I said before, one of the problems with the name it and claim it crowd is that there ain't nothing worth naming and claiming down here. This is just temporary stuff. This is just fictitious stuff. This is just imitation stuff. Everything we see has been through the fall, suffered the damnation of sin. We've never seen a beautiful rose. We have never seen really a beautiful lily. Everything we see has been under the Adamic curse of sin. But one morning, says the preacher, right? One morning when the smoke has rolled away and we shall see him as he is and we shall behold the earth as it was, then we shall see a flower that doesn't fade away. This ain't it. You think you've got a nice house? It's an outhouse compared to my father's house. Remember the old gospel hymn? Trials dark on every hand, and we cannot understand all the ways that God would lead us to that blessed promised land, but we will follow till we die, and we'll understand it better by and by. By and by, when the morning comes, when all the saints of God shall gather home, we'll tell the story of how we've overcome, and we'll understand it better by and by. While preparing a place for us, God is preparing us for a place It was Dr. Alan Redpath who put it very well. He said, the conversion of a soul, it's the miracle of a moment. But the making of a saint, it's the task of a lifetime. I tell you what, God is still working on me. Is he still working on you? (laughs) 
Say amen. He's still working on me. He's not done with me yet. My mom, when she was alive and when she was working at Weebolt's department store, which was in Ranhurst, which was the biggest mall in the world at, in the day, like in the 60s, Ranhurst Shopping Mall, suburb of Chicago. She wore a little pin, and she had these initials on the pin. P-B-P-G-I-F-Y-M-Y. And every day, people would look at that pin, and they say, what does that mean? And that's exactly what my mom wanted them to ask. She said, well, it means this. Please be patient. God isn't finished with me yet. And she had an opportunity to share of her faith in Jesus with people. <laughs> While preparing a place for us, the Lord is preparing us for a place. And I don't know about you, but it gives me great comfort, really, to know that God has a place for me. I know my mom is in that place. My dad is in that place. I'm sure you know people that are in that place already. It's real. There is a place that he is preparing. Thank God for that place. But he's also preparing us right now for that place. And if you want to go to that place, it's one way. There's only one way to that place, and that is through Jesus Christ. Hey, I did not say that. Jesus said it. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's only one way to that place, and that is through Jesus Christ. Some of you might be saying, you know, Dave, I've never witnessed to anybody before about Jesus. May I ask you, do you know him? Do you know the Lord? Do you know that Jesus is in your heart or is he in your heart? You cannot give something away that you don't have any more than you can return from a place you've never been. Do you know Jesus? Only one way to know the Father and that is through faith in Jesus Christ, trusting alone in Jesus Christ for your salvation. Maybe today's the day for you to come to Christ. Pastor Hermie, a couple weeks ago, talked about Reverend Billy Graham uh, when he was alive. He told of the time early in his career when he arrived in a small town to preach. You know, wanting to mail a letter, he asked the young boy where the post office was, and the boy told him, and Billy uh, invited him to come hear him speak on the topic, how to get to heaven. The boy shook his head and said, man, if you don't know where the post office is, how are you going to know the way to heaven? <laughs> well, I know someone who knows. And Jesus said, I am the way. Without him, there's no going. He said, I am the truth. Without him, there is no knowing. He said, I am the life. Without him, there's no living. So while preparing a place for us, God is preparing us for a place. Another tablet of of truth, I want to share, but first let's just review for a little bit here. Tablet number one, a personal faith and a personal God will bring personal relief. Tablet number two, while preparing a place for us, God is preparing us for a place. And now tablet number three, the sovereign hand of God is at work in your life. The sovereign hand of God is at work in your life. 
In verse 8, Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. And then keep reading in verse 9 and 10. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. What a tremendous thought. Jesus, God in the flesh, said, you know, when I speak, it's the Father who's speaking through me. When I do a deed, it's the Father is doing a deed through me. And so the Lord says to us the same thing. The Father abiding you is doing his work. I knew a guy, you you come up to him and say, well, how's it going? And he'd answer with this, the sovereignty of God. It's like, what? What? How are you doing? The sovereignty of God. In other words, God is at work. God's in charge here. He's in control. He's still on the throne. You say, well, in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my suffering, in the midst of my trouble. I mean, ask Job. Read the book of Job. Job lost it all, didn't he? Sons and daughters and cattle and sheep. Job said, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. (laughs) Job, covered with sores and boils, declared, though he slay me, yet I will praise him. Listen to what Job says in chapter 23 of the book of Job. But God knows the way I take When he has tested me, I'll come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. But he stands alone. And who can oppose him? He does whatever he pleases. In other words, Job was saying, the sovereignty of God The Father is at work in you, but we don't want to hurt. We don't want pain. We don't want to take up our cross and follow him and deny ourselves. Whatever the situation you find yourself in, child of God, if you are a child of God, the Father is at work in you, and I want to assure you that in the midst of your trouble... Whatever it might be, if you would just swallow this pill, if you would just swallow this tablet and live in the truth of God's sovereign hand at work, I think it would literally revolutionize your whole mental attitude toward life. The sovereign hand of God is at work in your life, in your family, in this church. God is working. We can't blame everything on the devil. The devil had to get permission to do all that stuff to Job. God has the devil on a leash. Romans 8.28 is still good. All things, that's some things. All things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Remember at the end of the story of Joseph? Remember all the bad things that happened to Joseph and his brothers lied and sold him into slavery and all this stuff. And at the end, the brothers were there. And in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph says to his brothers, what you guys intended for evil, God intended for good, for the saving of many lives. The sovereign hand of God is at work in your life. 
One more tablet of truth. You're not alone. Verse 16. I love verse 16. And I will ask the Father. He'll give you another counselor. Some versions say helper. To be with you forever. The spirit of truth. In other words, you're not alone. The spirit of God is standing with you. You know, I remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament. Remember the three Hebrew children wouldn't bow down to the statue? If you don't bow down, we're going to throw you into this fiery furnace. And they did. And they peeked in there and they said, whoa, I don't see three people. I see four people. And one of them looks like the Son of God. Jesus was there with them. Listen, the most, I think, devastating, demoralizing paralyzing thought that you can entertain when your heart is troubled is this. I'm all alone. Isn't that true? I mean, that's the first step to to gross self-pity. I'm all alone. And the next step is this. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Christian, If you were to come to my office for counsel, the very best counsel I could give you, when you say, I feel all alone, it's, no, you're never alone. You have been given the Holy Spirit of God. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear evil because you are with me. When you come to know Jesus Christ, when you trust in Christ and believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit came to live inside you. And that very word counselor or helper means one called alongside to help. The Holy Spirit is standing with you. The Holy Spirit is alongside of you. And the Holy Spirit is in you if you're a believer. Think about it. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, You know, whenever, wherever, it could be a hospital room. It could be a mission work in another country. It could be in your home. It could be at this church. It could be with a sick child facing death. It could be standing by a fresh grave, battling addictions. You have an inner helper. And he has been called alongside to do a work of comfort like nobody else can. Jesus said to those disciples in John 14, 17, he lives with you, and soon he's going to be in you. And ever since the day of Pentecost, in that first century, that's where the Holy Spirit lives, in the hearts of believers. God lives in us. I mean, think about that. You're not alone, Christian. Jesus said in Matthew 28, surely I'm with you. To the very end of the age, he said in Hebrews 13, 5, I'm never going to leave you. I'll never forsake you. So are you afraid today? Is your heart troubled? Can you swallow these four pills, these four tablets of truth? Number one, a personal faith and a personal God will bring personal relief. Do you know the Lord? Maybe this is your day. To commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we need to start. Number two, while preparing a place for us, the Lord is preparing us for a place. In other words, trials, tribulations, good, bad, and ugly things can make sense. Because God's in charge and he's working on us. 
Number three, the sovereign hand of God is at work in your life. He knows what he's doing. Father knows best. And number four, you're not alone. God's treatment for troubled hearts. Tablets of truth. But will you take them? You won't take them if you don't trust the doctor. And why should you trust Dr. Jesus? Well, let me illustrate. In February 15th, 1921, New York City, the operating room of a hospital, a doctor is performing an appendectomy. His name, Dr. Evan O'Neill Kane. Look him up. In his distinguished 37-year medical career, he has performed nearly 4,000 appendectomies. And so this surgery will be uneventful in all ways except two. The first novelty of this operation, the use of local anesthesia in major surgery. Dr. Kane is a crusader against the hazards of general anesthesia, and he contends that a local application is far safer. Many of his colleagues agree with him in principle, but in order for them to agree in practice, they will have to see the theory applied. And so Dr. Kane searches for a volunteer, a patient who is willing to undergo surgery while under just local anesthesia. A volunteer is not easily found, and many are kind of squeamish at the thought of being awake during their own surgery. Others are fearful that the anesthesia, you know, might wear off a little bit too soon. And eventually, however, Dr. Kane finds a candidate, and on Tuesday morning, February 15th, the historic operation occurs. The patient is prepared and prepped and wheeled into the operating room. A local anesthetic is applied. As he has done thousands of times, Dr. Kane dissects the tissues and locates the appendix and he skillfully removes it and then concludes the surgery. And during the procedure, the patient complains of only minor discomfort. The volunteer is taken into post-op and then is placed in a hospital ward and he recovers quickly and he's dismissed just two days later. Dr. Kane had proven his theory Thanks to the willingness of a brave volunteer, Kane demonstrated that local anesthesia was a viable and even preferable alternative. But I said there were two facts that made this surgery unique. I've told you the first, the use of local anesthesia. The second is the patient. The courageous candidate for surgery by Dr. Kane was Dr. Kane. To prove his point, he operated on himself. Again, look it up. A wise move. The doctor became a patient in order to convince the patients to trust the doctor. True story. You say, well, that's hard to believe. Maybe it is, but the story of the doctor who became his own patient is nothing, really, compared to the story of the God who became human without ceasing to be God. But Jesus did. So that you and I would believe that the healer knows our hearts and knows our hurts. And he voluntarily became one of us. And he placed himself in our position. And he suffered our pains and he felt our fears. Rejection, he felt that. Temptation, he knew it. Loneliness, he experienced it. Death, he tasted it. Daily problems, he could write a best-selling book about it. Why did he do it? One reason. So that when you hurt, you will go to him. 
your father and your physician and just let him heal. Isaiah the prophet had it right when he prophesied. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows and yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds, by his stripes, we are healed. Maybe you have a burden today. May I say, if you don't know the Lord, that's where, that's where you need to start. You need to start with a personal relationship with Jesus. You need to say yes to Jesus You know, he's hanging on the cross, doing everything for you, taking your place on the cross, saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. It's like he's proposing to you. Have you said yes to him? Have you put your trust in what he's done on the cross and not on your own supposed good works that are like filthy rags in his sight? He wants you to trust him. We're going to sing a hymn in a minute called, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Is it? Is it sweet? To trust in Jesus, not only for our salvation, but for our daily needs, that by his stripes we are healed, that he has some tablets of truth for these troubled hearts, for our daily frustrations, for death, for disappointment, for our disobedience. Jesus is the answer. Let's pray together. And if, um, if you want to pray to accept Christ today, I invite you to do that with me as I pray. And this could be your day, March 14th, 2021. And then I'll pray for the other burdens that we often carry. God, we thank you that you did everything for us. Jesus, even though... You did not sin. You became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. You did it all for us. You became rich or you became poor so that we might become rich, that through your poverty we might become rich, that you were totally just and yet you died for us, the unjust. And I thank you that we can choose not to have a troubled heart. You said don't let your hearts be troubled. You said trust in God. Trust also in me. And so, Lord, I pray if there's anyone within the sound of my voice that they're not sure about their salvation, they're not sure about heaven as their eternal destination, God, I pray that right now they would say something like this, God, I am so sorry, you haven't been first in my life, I've broken your law, Lord, I went against your will, I don't love you with all my heart, I don't love my neighbor as myself, but I want to thank you, God, that you showed up. In history, you became a man without ceasing to be God. You lived the life I can't live. You died the death I can't die. And you rose from the grave. And in a very real way, through the power of your Holy Spirit, you are standing at my heart's door knocking. And I just say, please, Jesus, come on in. I want to trust you today. I want to believe in you today. And I know, Lord Jesus, if I seek first the kingdom of heaven, 
All these other things will be added unto me. You'll take care of the rest. So I pray, Lord, that you would show me how to trust in you and to sing this hymn and actually mean it. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Trusting in Jesus for eternal salvation, but also for the things that are going on in our lives. Problems, frustrations, and concerns. Uh, If you have uh, a need in your life that you'd like somebody to pray for you, I believe somebody will be over here. Uh, Wayne and Mona, come on down. They'll be ready to pray for you in the name of Jesus for anything physical, emotional, spiritual. At the end of Ephesians, it says this. To him who is able to do exceeding abundantly, above and beyond all that we can ask or think, according to the power that works within us, be glory and honor and praise, both now and forever. Amen? Amen.